This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. Overcoming great challenges like COVID-19 requires great cooperation. This is Dan Hilferty, CEO of Independence Blue Cross. Most of us never imagined we'd be facing an outbreak of this magnitude. But in the face of this challenge, hospitals, public officials, and business leaders have come together. Through effective cooperation, these leaders are taking steps to keep us safe. Slowing the rate of infection from the virus will help hospitals care for those who need attention most. Remember, stay home. Leave only for essential needs. Stay informed from sources like the CDC or Department of Health. Take a break from watching the news. Stay well, exercise, and practice self-care to make sure you're physically and mentally fit. In our great region, we have a tradition of caring for each other and cooperating to get things done. We'll do it again now. For more, visit ibx.com slash COVID-19. Together, we will beat COVID-19. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. A Radio.com station. From the Malamut and Associates Law Studios, it's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is your radio doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. That is a very, very robust, vigorous achu sneeze. That's what that is. And that's not what we're talking about. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning. And welcome in on this Sunday of Labor Day weekend. I hope you're all enjoying this last taste of summer. Thank you for joining us on Your Radio Doctor. I'm your host, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. With us today is Ms. Sue Rocco, the superb host of the outstanding show on WPHT, Women to Watch. We'll also hear from Independence Blue Cross and their partnership in BPHL, the Innovation Festival, from September 15th through 17th. Then we'll hear about the important work of the Red Cross. So let's begin. Susan Rocco had a vision that has come true, a radio show that highlights the real stories behind the success of women leaders. She's the founder and CEO of Women to Watch Media and the host of the very successful talk radio show heard every Sunday evening at 7 p.m. here on WPHT. Welcome, Sue. So great to have you here. Thank you, Dr. Ritchie. I'm thrilled to be here on your show. This is so exciting. It really is. Who would ever think? We started together almost three years ago. Well, Sue, I've heard you explain so beautifully how you imagined the concept of Women to Watch. Maybe you can share with us how you began your show. I'd love to. Um, I, I typically start with saying that the year 2012 was a very uh, kind of pivotal time for me in my life journey, I'll say. And I, you know, went off to Villanova University with a big pipe dream uh, to be in media, to be a journalist. And it was something I had always dreamt about simply for my love of people and just genuinely being 
really, really passionately interested in other people's life stories. And so, unfortunately, when I graduated, I really just did not have the confidence at the time, the belief in myself to pursue um, that goal. And so I kind of bounced around from job to job, a little bit of advertising, a little bit of sales, and and then life took over. I got married, and I, I had my two beautiful children. And in 2012, I would say I just, after many years of working really hard on my myself internally, um, stepped into myself and found my voice and thought, you know what, it's now or never. Um, and at that time, I had a very small... Uh, business. It was a direct sale company, a high apparel company business that I was running. And I was flipping the dial on, on the radio. I had always been a huge fan of talk radio. And I heard a woman say, um, are you a small business owner in the Philadelphia area? And if so, would you like to come on the show and promote your business? And so I jumped at that chance And I went on um, a program on a little privately owned station just outside of Philadelphia. And what a great time I had, you know, doing the interview. But when I went home, I thought, I really want to be on the other side of the microphone. And so long story short, I pitched an idea to the general manager. And here we are eight years later, um, airing both on PhD and, and WABC. And you know what, so really, your love of people shines through because you make your guests very comfortable, and they share some pretty private um, things about themselves in, in a nice way. And you really know how to let people shine themselves as well. So, so tell us about the evolution of the show and the watch team. That's how we met. It is. So we were um, fortunate enough to be introduced. I I really think it was 2012. I'm not quite sure if it was 2012 or 2013, but a mutual friend um, introduced the two of us. We should probably give her a shout out. Lori Peruto. Thank you so much. Yay, Lori. Yay, Lori. Lori. And (laughs) she had great things to say about you. And of course, I jumped online and Googled your name and started doing my homework and research on you and uh, had you on my show. And, you know, I, I, from the very beginning, went highlighting and, and profiling amazing women. And I started to think to myself, you know, as much as the interview is, is really um, a big part of the show, that intimate one-on-one conversation, I had dreamt, I started to dream about having a team of women around me that could bring their expertise from their fields um, to the show. And, you know, it would really add some richness to the show and build it out in a way that, um, you know, we could be talking about technology and health and uh, business and, and leadership. And so that really developed into the business model behind the show, which is this incredible watch team of on air contributors whose companies um, and organizations are all sponsors of the show. And, you know, Marianne, I have to say thank you to you so much. You were the very first one to sign on, and you became Uh our Health Watch contributor years ago with the support of Jefferson Health System, and that that was the beginning Uh of the watch team. 
Oh, Jefferson. Well, even that, Sue, I'm, as you know, I, I love you for being a villain of a wildcat, but you know, in interest of full disclosure, I'm a St. Joe hawk. <laughs> that is true. I still love you. And, uh, St. Joe's and Villanova went co-ed at about the same time. I was the third, in the third class that took women. So, as you say, around 2012 or 13, they had an all-day seminar at Hawk Hill with all women speakers. I was invited to speak. And Lori, I gave a talk about women's health care. And Lori Peruto uh, said, you know, I want you to meet my friend Sue, who's beginning a radio show. And that's how we connected. You were kind enough to interview me on your show. I'm the most senior woman in GI in Philadelphia. I mean, that's how long ago I started when it was mostly men in the field. But we kept in touch. And when you started on WPHT, uh, invited me, thank, thank you very much, to be part of your team. And I have learned so much myself about um, teaching. I've always been a teacher, medical students, residents. I do a lot of public speaking. And my goal is to present common medical topics in clear language that people in the lay community understand more clearly. And then they're more committed to preventive care, learning their family history, getting regular checkups. And you're doing the same thing. The theme of your show is getting women of all ages, and especially the younger women, to hear how women arrive where they are now. It wasn't a straight line for most people. And I try to tell my own children that. Let the wind blow you in certain directions. Don't always be so focused, I'm going to grow up to be a pediatrician or a shoe salesman or whatever. See what comes along in the meantime and um, keep your eyes open. Am I right? Well, you know, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I think that the, um, the goal of my interviews always is to try to get my guest, who is a woman who has achieved a certain level of success, how we define it in career and business, um, to really talk more about who she is and what her challenges were and, and what she really has overcome, because those are the life lessons that stay with us forever. And what I'm hoping is the listeners will see something of themselves in the woman I'm interviewing, and it'll give her that boost, that confidence to go and pursue her own dream, whether it's um, writing a book or um, asking for a raise to move up you know, within her company or to start her own business, whatever it might be. It's always about inspiration. Um, but, and, and, of course, you know, the reason why we want women in leadership positions is, is you know, the bigger vision just to see a better world. And because it takes all kinds of people to make the world better. And as you say, I know as a woman doctor, sometimes people will send a patient to me because they say I'm, I'm a better listener. I don't necessarily think that's because I'm a man or a woman, because there are some women doctors who are definitely more nurturing um, there are some men doctors who are more nurturing than some of the women docs I know. But but there is a general pattern that you've talked about that you believe in, about women in leadership roles. Absolutely. I think it's, you know, the truth is um, if you look at the world and, and where we began, um, we've never been in a time where women have been equally or more in positions of creating policy or um being in science and, and discovering cures or being in the C-suite of a major corporation. And so to me, it's very simple. Um, women bring to business and, and to problems a different kind of 
collaboration, innovation, and desire for community good. And what that yes. to me well, yeah, will lead to is, is, is just more peace in the world. I just believe that. I would I agree with you. And you know what, Sue, your message is resonating because guess what? My gal Sue is putting on her glitter eyeshadow because she's headed to New York. We just started <laughs> broadcasting in WABC with another 250,000 listeners. Sue, does that give you the EBGBs? Isn't it awesome? It is awesome. It is awesome because, you know, everyone knows New York is, is the place to be. And, um, you know, it's just one of what I hope will be many new stations as we continue to expand across the country. And I know you said your daughter lives there. And it wouldn't it be great if younger women learned some of the lessons that, that you and your guests share on the, in their interviews. What would you say is the most important lesson you've learned from your interviews? You know what? I, I, I learn something new every single week. I truly do. And, you know, whatever um, the career that particular woman is in, I, I'm always learning something. But the overall commonality is that really behind all these different and original one-of-a-kind stories, we're all very much the same. And, and what we all desire is freedom and happiness, you know, and fulfillment. In, and, and I believe that you, you achieve that when, you, when you're doing what you love and doing it with a complete belief in yourself. So that's what I really hope young people will learn sooner than later. I just sent my, my youngest, my son, a card in the mail the other day that it, that's, the front says, believe in yourself, and inside it says, because I do. Sue, oh, I thank that. you for your beautiful work. You are the best, and I can't wait to continue the journey with you, and thank you for the opportunity to be part of your world because it certainly opened my world to your radio doctor. So thank you for that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun to be on the show. Yes. Take care. It's really fun. We should do it once a month. Thanks, Sue. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.com. And now, our exclusive partner, Independence Blue Cross, is working with other city organizations on the second annual BPHL Innovation Fest. Here to tell us about the BPHL Innovation Fest is Ms. Michelle Histand, the Director of Innovation and Independence. Welcome, Michelle. So happy to have you here today. Thanks so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. I love the slogan that IBX uses, asking questions drives innovation. That inspires me personally, I have to tell you. So if you would, tell us about BPHL and why it was created. Yeah, BPHL Innovation Fest was created in 2019 as a means of highlighting all of the innovation that happens in our region. So we have a tremendous innovation ecosystem, and we wanted a way to, first and foremost, show off to the rest of the country and the world that Philadelphia is a world heritage city with a lot of innovation. So it's a great place to start a new business, to come and live and work, to come and tour. And then also, we wanted a means of connecting all of the people doing innovation work across the region and across the city. Um, And finally, because it's an innovation festival, we want to make sure we also use this opportunity to inspire and ignite new ideas in people. Beautiful. And tell us about last year. That was a big success for the first uh, go-round. 
We were so blown away by the reception we got last year from both our partners across the city and also the attendees. We had over 200 events last year, over 400 speakers across 15 locations in the city. And we were so pleased we had about 5,000 people sign up to be part of the festival and attend. And we just had a really phenomenal turnout. We had great speakers. We had people like Questlove, who's a Philadelphia native. Uh, we had all kinds of sessions on everything from healthcare to engineering to fashion. So we had a little bit of everything, and we were just really thrilled with the turnout last year. I mean, it just sounds like a giant think tank, because when you add arts and culture, science, business, social impact, engineering, I'm reading the list that goes on and on, healthcare and more, it's, it really makes people um, just blend their ideas, and uh, it, it inspires people to keep thinking and asking the questions that you talk about. So this year, tell us about this coming year. We're really excited for this year. Uh, we know it's been you know, a really challenging year for many reasons. And this year, we've made the festival virtual, of course, so everyone will be able to enjoy BPHL in the comfort of their homes or their offices or wherever they're spending their time these days. And really an important move for us was to make sure we were focusing on innovation through the lens of what's happening today. So we have kind of three main focus areas for this year's festival. Uh, one is economic recovery and thinking about how businesses are pivoting and, and moving toward recovery. Another is social justice and racial equity. And finally, just, again, that theme of personal creativity and inspiration as many people are working in new situations and working from their homes. So as we were building the festival this year, it was really important that we focused uh, through that lens and made sure that we were uh, kind of timely and thinking about what's going on right now and what kind of content people need to see and hear. And, and in this year, actually, when people are a little disappointed that they can't get together in person, it's actually a silver lining for you because this year, 20 states and 11 countries are involved. It's pretty cool. Well, that's right. We're really excited. One of our goals when we started the festival was always to make this about Philadelphia, but then to start to focus more nationally and even internationally and bring that lens or that audience from those other places to look at Philadelphia. So the fact that we've gone virtual has really allowed us to do that and allowed us to jumpstart uh, that national and international focus. So this year we're now actually at registrants from 16 countries as of today and wow. uh, 20 states. So we're very excited, yeah. That's really impressive. And I know the partners include IBX, but also universities, private companies, nonprofits, the city of Philadelphia. And it's so great to see that collaboration because it just brings out more and more talent. So um, tell us some of the highlights this year's festival. I know we'll talk about the, the um, from the health perspective, but you're going to focus a little bit on the health of millennials. Am I right? Yes, we have a, a panel on the health of millennials, so a panel of experts talking about what particular healthcare challenges our millennials are facing today uh, and, and looking at uh, actually a challenge that will be issued to the city to think about how we can help solve this problem. So we're excited about that one. Sure. And, the, you know, the millennials are listening. It's, it's a large group, and, and certainly with the um, – they love the word innovation – and I think they'll really be drawn to the festival. If you have, I should say, the fest, if someone wants to get a ticket, I know that they're 
free with the option of giving a donation. Could you tell us how listeners could get a ticket to attend? Yes, everyone listening should get a ticket to attend BPHL Fest because you can attend as much or as many or as few sessions as you'd like. There's something for everybody, and you can register for free at bphlfest.com. And there is, as you mentioned, the option to donate to the PHL COVID-19 fund because we're focusing on economic recovery efforts. We wanted to make that option available uh, as many folks are looking to do something to help. So free registration at bphlfest.com. Great. And and the other really neat thing about this is that it's honoring Ben Franklin, a Philadelphia native, and he certainly was a prolific innovator. And the festival name pays homage to him, if you want to explain that. That's right. When we were naming the festival, we wanted to uh, pay homage, like you said, to our roots as a city and, you know, we're a city of first. So we named it BPHL, so the B dot. Uh, ben Franklin used to sign many of his documents B dot Franklin. So we kept that B dot. And then the PHL, of course, is our city code. And that's how we, we named the festival, which is a, a fun piece of trivia. It's, it's short, it's clever, and it's really catchy. And people will get it. Because, I mean, for, for those of us who don't remember all of our <laughs> grade school history, Ben Franklin, electricity, uh, the postal system, public libraries, hospitals, volunteer firefighters. He did so much for humanity. So, Michelle, if you have a minute, could you tell us about um, the Independent Center for Innovation at, at IBX and the work that you do? Yes. Part of the reason the festival came about is because at Independence, we have our Center for Innovation where we focus on creative problem solving or building new opportunities out for both our business and with our customers. And in our Center for Innovation, we use design thinking and other creative problem solving methodology to bring new ideas to light, to build new business models, to build new ways of working. So we've been really excited about that work. And that's in part how we found that there was so much innovation happening in the region and what led us to create something with partners like BPHL. So that's been really exciting. We have so much innovation happening across the city, um, both from you know a, a, a new product perspective, mm-hmm. but also from the perspective of many companies who now have innovation functions, who are focusing on a more innovative culture, um, changing the way they work, changing the way they hire, changing the way they do their internal processes. So our Center for Innovation focuses on, on that spirit of innovation and, and how we can help others in our region do things differently and think about things in new ways. Well, I'm always impressed by Independence Blue Cross because it's more than a company that provides health insurance. You're a true partner in the community with all the outreaches. And if people want to get a ticket to BPHL to three great filled days of workshops, talks, performances, connections, September 15th through the 17th, that's a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, September 15th through 17th, they can get tickets by visiting your website. Yes, they can go to bphlfest.com. And like you said, we have over 100 sessions now. So there's something for everybody. There's also things like networking, uh, all kinds of opportunities to check out different sessions that are of interest, no matter what your interest is. So visit us at bphlfest.com. Is there a dot between the BPHL or is it all straight? BPHL? Nope, all straight. Mm-hmm. BPHLFEST.com. Okay, 
Al Fast. <laughs> or if people forget, they can always visit ibx.com. Yes? That's right. Yes. Oh, wonderful. Michelle, thank you for much, so much for joining us. I'm enlightened myself, and I'm going to find time to, to join and uh, come to the festival. So thank you. Stay well. Always good to hear from our exclusive partner, Independence Blue Cross. Stay well. Thank Thanks, you Michelle. So much. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed on Radio.com. Listen to the show at your convenience. Go to Radio.com and in the search bar type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. And welcome back. From the American Red Cross, we welcome Elena Mauger the Communications Manager for Biomedical Services. Welcome, Elena. So wonderful that you're here today. Thank you so much for having me. Elena, I'd like to start by reminding our listeners that the Red Cross has five lines of service. Could you tell us about that briefly? Absolutely. We have a disaster relief, and that includes major uh, forces of nature like hurricanes as well as just community fires and things like that. Uh, we have service to the armed forces. Uh, we have training such as CPR, lifeguards, swimming. Um, we have blood services, which is where, um, you know, the, the blood donations come in. And then we have international services because we are part of a global Red Cross, Red Crescent uh, society, and, and we, we respond to things across the world. And it's so all-encompassing. When you think about the humanitarian services you offer, members, active members of the armed forces, vets from the armed forces and their families, and the training, CPR, I beg always my own patients and, and listeners to get CPR training. So important, especially if you're a teacher or you're exposed to a lot of people. Even babysitting is offered. It's wonderful. So let's talk about your focus, which is on blood services, organizing donations of blood, but not just blood. We'll talk a little bit, if we have time, about the convalescent plasma that centers are looking for people who have had COVID, and hopefully a part of their blood called the plasma carries antibodies. So let's start um, with just organizing blood donations. Sure. So what we, um, we really rely on the general public to, to come out and give blood. There is no alternative for um, voluntarily donated blood. It can't be manufactured. So patients all across our region and across the country really do rely on the generosity of blood donors as well as organizations and individuals that open their facilities to us to host these blood drives. Sure. And I know you said usually you might have hundreds of blood drives a week, but with uh, there was almost an emergency shortage by March because even though people were calling to donate, with Pennsylvania and New Jersey, the governors had to say, okay, we're closing a lot of centers that aren't essential, and that lost a lot of your sources. Am I right? Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, we had several types of organizations really step up. The local YMCAs really helped. Um, you know, help us overcome that initial shortage where we had an emergency. And, you know, so that now, um, pretty much by, by mid-April into now, we are able to meet our patient needs. Things have been really, I, I like to describe it as being um, a roller coaster. Um, you know, I bet, I bet. Our, our demand has been down in many cases because for a while a lot of health um, 
agencies have been postponing more elective type surgeries to focus on emergencies and COVID response. So it's really been interesting, you know, to the point where we are really on a daily basis checking our supply against demand. And it's been a very unique time, to say the least. Oh, to say the least. I know as a GI doctor, we postponed elective colonoscopies and procedures. And and we said, too, with fewer cars on the road, thank goodness there are fewer, fewer, lower need for trauma uh, surgery and transfusion. Um, But what people need to be reminded of, you've told me that the number one use for donated blood is for cancer patients, right? Absolutely. And it's something people might not realize. I mean, yes, it's those ongoing, you know, the, the traumas and things like that. And there's, there's blood disorders that people constantly need, um, need blood transfusions for. But cancer is the number one reason people get blood uh, transfusions in the U.S. Sure. And I guess, and the YMCA is always fantastic. And they helped you a lot. Now that school's back for at least some people or some children and uh, or parents going back to work, child care will be an issue that says maybe we won't be able to do as many blood drives. So that's one of your needs, people to step up and help if they have the space, churches, schools to do blood drives, yes? Absolutely. Um, you know, we have no idea how long this pandemic's going to last, and patients will need continued access to blood. And, you know, we really do rely on those those churches, those organizations in the community to open their doors to us so that we can host these blood drives. Mm-hmm. So what's the main source of your uh, blood drives? So that's a great question. So I just talked about those community blood drives and how important they are. 80% of all of our blood supply in this region comes from those blood drives, those community-based you know, Elks clubs, churches, schools. We even had one at a funeral home. Um, you know, oh there really goodness. is, as long as they have the amount of space we need and, and meet the requirements, we can have a blood drive there. Um, in our region, we are fortunate. We do have um, some, we do have four uh, fixed and site donation centers. Uh, we have one in Philadelphia, one in Northeast Philly, and uh, one in Willow Grove, and one in Westchester. And those are the sites where you can donate blood, but you can also donate platelets and plasma. Beautiful. And they're open seven days a week, right? In most cases, yes. You can check the website, Mm -hmm. uh, redcross.org, and get that information to to double-check it. Yep. So that's great for our listeners as well because, uh, and I know probably before COVID, you might have taken walk-ins, but now you'd have to schedule an appointment. Am I right about that? Yeah. Um, we, We always encouraged appointments, but, you know, you could pretty much always walk into a blood drive and be able to donate. You might wait a little bit longer, but right now we really are asking people to please schedule an appointment. We are observing social distancing guidance uh, along with other safety measures. So it's really, really key that um, that people continue, to, that, that people schedule appointments and, and uh, abide by those appointments, keep their appointments, and, and try to stick to that schedule. It's just, it makes uh, social distancing for our staff so much easier. Sure, that makes good sense. And I know I was really impressed when you told me as you mentioned, the blood banks are open and people can schedule, in most situations, seven days a week. 80% comes from local churches and schools. But of the 80%, 20% are from schools K through 12. I was really surprised to hear that. Yeah, K through 12, as well as colleges and universities. And that's a really big deal for us right now because um, a lot of those schools, 
even if they are open or open on a limited schedule, they're certainly not having blood drives right now where they're opening the doors to the, the public while they have students. So True. we, more than ever <laughs> right now, especially as you mentioned, the YMCA's was played such a huge role for us in, um, in opening their doors during the pandemic. So, Elena, walk us through the process of donating blood. I think it would encourage people to step up. Sure. So we already talked about the importance of scheduling an appointment. So you can do that online or by calling 1-800-RED-CROSS, going to redcross.org. Um, you should get a good night's sleep the night before your uh, donation. You should have a good meal. You should drink extra water. Um, water is really key to helping you have a successful donation. And you, the donation will go faster, and you will feel so much better afterwards. Um, when you walk into a blood drive, this is one of the things that looks a little different. We will check your temperature. We will, um, you know, give you a mask if you don't already have one. And we are asking you to please uh, sanitize your hands at, at each station and to observe social distancing with other donors at all times. So mm-hmm. once we all do that, you get some materials to read and to register. And you'll um, then be taken into the health history area where you will answer um, some, some health history questions. And you will also get uh, a mini physical. Uh, you know, we'll check, check your blood pressure. We'll check your, um, your hemoglobin, your, your temperature again. We'll make sure that you're feeling uh, good to donate. So if you do qualify... Um, we, we take you over to the donation cot and get you set up. And believe it or not, you're only on the donation cot giving blood for about 8 to 10 minutes. So it's not as scary as people think. And then we feature goodies in our canteen. Aw. You've thought of everything, really. And, it, and I think, too, you mentioned that when you um, give a, a donor a questionnaire, you ask about their travel history to make sure that they haven't been exposed to anything that would... Um, you know, make them not uh, a good candidate. And it's amazing. It only takes eight to 10 minutes, folks. And the more you drink the night before and the morning of, the fuller your veins, the easier it is to take a little needle and stick it in there and get your blood. So um, the whole process is easier if you follow the directions, of course. Let's take a little break, Elena, and we'll be right back with more from the Red Cross. Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie is exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. Dr. Marianne will return, but first, a medical message from one of our partners. And we're in our final segment with Elena Mauger, the Communications Manager for Biomedical Services from the American Red Cross, telling us all the good news that the Red Cross is a very special place. I mean, I think of disaster um, videos that you see on TV, and right now hundreds of thousands of people without power and water, heat advisories, and dealing with COVID, many people out of work for months in East Texas and Louisiana, and the great work that Red Cross does. So, Elena, if somebody wanted to donate blood, um, you've outlined that it's pretty easy to call 800-RED-CROSS to sign up, or redcross.org is the website. Um, I, if people are concerned about receiving blood, what would you tell them? Well, we like to say that our, our blood supply is as safe as possible. You know, everything is, is very regulated by the FDA. The Red Cross is always in compliance with that. And all of the blood that is donated is run through a series of tests. Uh, there's actually 12 infectious diseases tests that are done. Um, and, uh, you know, the blood is typed. 
and it really is um, you can you can rest assured if you are receiving blood that the supply is as safe as possible. And every time a patient receives blood, their blood is typed and crossed again. Am I right? So that takes a lot of fear Absolutely. out. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we do always need uh, O negative type blood um, because if there is a situation in an emergency room where um, medical personnel don't have time to type the blood, they can reach for O negative blood and any uh, a person of any blood type can receive that safely. Good to remind our listeners, O negative is always in demand. Thank you for that. So how can our listeners help Mm -hmm. other than giving blood? And go ahead, sorry. No, no. You know, there's so many ways you can help. And and giving blood is is just one. Of course, the Red Cross, you know, runs on on the generosity of others. So you can always make a donation at redcross.org. Um, you can donate blood. You can also be a volunteer. There are so many different things that you can do in the Red Cross as a volunteer. Even looking at just the biomedical services side, um, you know, we have volunteers that help run our blood drives. I mean, the staff physically collect the blood, but we have blood drive ambassadors. They're the ones who come and they, they greet the volunteers when they're there, and they're the ones that wipe down the canteen after every guest and things like that. So really, there's so many opportunities, and the Red Cross really runs on volunteers, and um, there's just there's, there's so many different ways you can get involved. Did you tell me that 90% of your staff is volunteers? Uh, yeah, that's definitely the case. Um, you know, it, it, the, in blood services, we, we have a few more staff just because of our collections. People are all employees. But when you see Red Cross people out at disasters, uh, helping people, you know, in the aftermath of hurricanes, that is 90% volunteers. And 25% of those people are under age 24. So, Elena, thank you for sharing this beautiful information. I love the Red Cross. And if people want to help, they can visit your website, redcross.org, and you can always call 1-800-RED-CROSS. Thank you, Elena. God bless you for your beautiful work, and stay well. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. And now, for your real champion, Peter Zuka, Little Big Man. Peter Zuka is a cancer survivor. At the age of 10 months, he was diagnosed with a rare muscle tumor and given no hope from two opinions. His parents planned his first birthday party and his funeral at the same time. Then they visited Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. After months of surgery, chemo, radiation, he reached his second birthday and was given a 24% chance to survive. Well, Peter proved them wrong. He continued his uphill climb and lived a very active life, which included sports. Then came the next crushing disappointment, a new, different tumor, which led to an amputation of his right leg at the hip. With unimaginable strength and courage, this 10-year-old boy returned to school only five days later. Even more startling, he played baseball on day nine after surgery, pitching strikes and earning the name Powerhouse. He dreamed of being the first one-legged pitcher in the major leagues. He remained close with friends and nurses from his treatment facilities. And when he saw a Facebook post from a nurse that said there was a wagon shortage at the hospital and one of the children had to walk to the infusion room for her treatment, Peter worried about the sick child and the Peter Powerhouse Foundation was born. 
The first goal? Raise money for kits and hold wagon building parties, Girl Scouts, midget football teams, and families of three generations. A company in the community shared warehouse space where the wagons are assembled, and a local waste management company volunteers to deliver 100 wagons at a time. Peter then learned of a girl whose chemo was delayed because her blood count was low, a common side effect of previous chemo. His mother explained that blood transfusions would give her the strength to continue. Peter was stunned to hear that during his own treatment, he received a total of 51 units of blood from people he had never met. His new goal? To give at least 51 units back to help other kids with cancer. So, at age 12, he organized his first blood drive at his church. They invited local children with cancer and started a photo campaign. These are the faces. Give blood, give hope, give life. To date, he has run 56 blood drives, collected more than 5,400 units of blood, and touched over 16,000 lives. And the Red Cross thanks him for stepping up the pace during COVID when other centers had to close. His cancer treatment led to spinal damage, so he had to give up competitive baseball and swim meets. Lung damage keeps him from playing the flute, but it hasn't stopped this powerhouse from supplying over 7,300 lunches to parents and families at the Oncology Clinic of Children's Hospital in King of Prussia. Money for gas cards, gift cards, rent payments, even cars, and sadly, a funeral. Like all students during COVID, Peter is learning online. No surprise, so many credits he'll finish high school early and already completed several courses toward a business degree at Montgomery County Community College. He's on a first-name basis with Dave Dervecki, former pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, and Kevin Riley, former captain of the Philadelphia Eagles, both of whom lost their throwing arms to the same desmoid cancer that took Peter's leg. He's been featured on World News Tonight, front page of the Philadelphia Inquirer, given the highest awards by the Red Cross, DuPont Hospital for Children, and other community groups. Now, at age 17, he is the youngest member ever on the board of the American Red Cross. And did I mention, he not only organizes blood drives, he's a donor. We salute Peter Zuka, who loves life and channels his courage and fortitude into making life better for other kids with cancer. Join the effort. Visit peterpowerhouse.org. No spaces, peterpowerhouse.org. Tune in next week on National Celiac Day. Learn about celiac disease from our guest, the nationally recognized GI specialist, Dr. Anthony J. DiMarino. And learn about the gluten-free diet from Jefferson Registered Dietitian, Emily Rubin. And if you'd like to listen again to today's show or any of our shows, visit our website, yourradiodoctor.com. And please, if you know a champion you'd like us to highlight, send your story to info at yourradiodoctor.com. Send a champion story to info at yourradiodoctor.com. Now take the labor out of Labor Day. Relax on this lovely Sunday and enjoy Sid Mark and the sounds of Sinatra. And remember, your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media Production. If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.